All right, welcome in everybody. It is 6.30 on Wednesday night. That's a little earlier than usual for the 573 report because it is, again, Wednesday at 6.30, but it's 2020. So we obviously just finished watching an NFL game and are getting ready for Oregon and Missouri to play basketball in Omaha with no fans. So uh, that's uh, that's sports this year. Mitchell Forty, Gabe DeArmond here, and uh, appreciate you guys joining us tonight. Again, tip-off of Mizzou and Oregon in about 90 minutes. We'll stick with you for about an hour, something like that, lead you up, give you something to do until that game. And um, I can't imagine any reason Missouri fans would have uh, bad feelings about a basketball game in Omaha, so let's go. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, not the best memories for Missouri in that arena, um, unless you, uh, a, unless you swam at Olympic trials. I've watched some Olympic trials is there. It's, but, a, uh, it's yeah. a really nice arena. It is, yeah, yeah, it's wild. This game uh, was put on the schedule all of about fifty hours ago, or something yeah. like that, a little more. So yeah, about two days ago. It's uh, it's crazy, and and Missouri just added another game today. So <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say wild in times. in twenty twenty, adding Prairie View A and M RPI three twelve to the schedule qualifies as breaking news. So uh, Missouri did that. That gives them what I twenty six games, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. That's the back to because they they rescheduled or, or rescheduled Oregon added one, so that makes up for the two they didn't get in Connecticut, and that puts them at twenty six. Okay, so uh, appreciate all you guys being here. Comments starting to coming in, come in, and uh, questions, whatever you guys got, uh, we will be here for a while. I guess we'll start with basketball. Um, Bob Douglas is here. He's Mitch's biggest fan. My dad is here to defend my honor. So the YouTube show is well on their way. Um, but we'll start with basketball because that's where we're at. So, I mean, I was looking at the SEC schedule and um, we are, I, I don't really know how to describe how far we are into this season, really. Uh, Hey, I just, uh, made us disappear because I hit the wrong button. I'm going to figure out how to get a background back behind us in a minute. But anyway, we are, uh, you know, a little bit into the season and there's only one two and O team in the sec. That's Arkansas. Uh, there is, uh, a couple more, including Missouri trying to get there tonight. Ole Miss is going to start in like a week. Tennessee is going to start in like eight days. So, look, nobody knows what to – I mean, everybody kind of thinks this league is going to be good, but but we don't know that at this point for sure. Yeah, for yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, we you know do it this prediction thing every week where it'll go up right on the site tomorrow morning, and we were uh, predicting the top three finishers in the league. And I was like, I I have no idea. I mean, I guess I have to conclude Kentucky, even though they've lost more games than anyone else in the league. I actually think Mississippi State's lost two. Kentucky's actually not um, going to win a game all year. They're going. Right. Oh, like, I mean, whatever. I just I, like I haven't seen anyone else. So you're still basing everything off of you know just talent levels. Like I think Tennessee should be good. Um. Have they played a game yet? I'm not sure. No, Tennessee is um, zero and zero. But, they start on the tenth. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. And then you know, Florida just played its first game. Uh, Ole Miss hasn't played. I mean, you're talking about probably three of the you know five or six best 
from a preseason expectations point in the league right there. So, yeah, I mean, like, and you never know, you know, how, you know, this offseason affects different teams differently and, and who's been missing who in practices leading up to the games. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it, it's kind of like football, like, like the start of football, except that these games don't actually mean that much. So it's just right. like, eh, yeah, you know, we'll play whoever one day. And if we care, maybe we'll win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex, hopefully you won't cry after this Missouri basketball game in, uh, in Omaha, but I, this game actually like so Missouri was going to go to Connecticut to play mm-hmm. I guess tonight and tomorrow. Um yes. and Oregon was going to be there and Boston College was going to be there and those were going to be the games and we actually had a story written for like a month saying this was going to happen and then it just never happened and never happened and never happened. Oregon backed out of the event. Basically Missouri didn't go to Connecticut because they didn't want to travel and go through everything with COVID to play like Boston College and Army. Uh, which is who I think – maybe it's Florida that's going there. I don't know. I, I think that's right because Florida's playing Army tonight. Florida basically replaced Missouri. So um, they didn't want to travel across the country to play games that really aren't going to help them that much. This is a game actually that – like it, it's it seems weird to talk about because it seems weird even that basketball is happening right now to me. But eventually <laughs> this is a game win or lose – that helps Missouri's tournament resume and, and when it becomes a really big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's really kind of beneficial timing for Missouri too, because I think Oregon's a team that could very well end up, you know, a top 25 at a minimum, but maybe even top 15 team this season, but Missouri gets them, you know, when they're, they're their first game of the season and they're bringing in eight newcomers. They have uh, eight guys who have yet to play a game for Oregon, five transfers and three freshmen. So you would expect maybe there's going to be a little bit of uh, some growing pains, some hiccups there. So, yeah, I mean, like it's, it, and this is, this is a good measuring stick for us, but also, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, uh, you know, game to put on a resume. Now yeah. I also don't know how much resumes matter this year, because the selection committee has basically said, like, yeah, we're just going to use the old eye test. But, uh, but yeah, you would think this kind of thing or this early in the season couldn't hurt. Right. And um, it at least gives people an idea where this team is. And for all the talk of experience and how much they bring back and all that, look, I understand this offseason was weird. But if you're going to go beat a ranked team, this is probably kind of a time to do it. Early in the season when all your guys have played together – um, nobody's there. The other team had to come a lot further than you did. And I'm not saying it's a failure if Missouri loses this game or anything, but if you kind of want a chance to tell your fans, Hey, we are where we have a chance to be what you think we are. This is the time to go do it. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. I actually picked Missouri to win just kind of for that reason. I mean, you know, Oregon's, you know, hasn't played yet. And yeah, you got, you don't, you don't have to worry about, you know, fans or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a great opportunity to build some momentum. Um, so, you know, I mean, this, this, this team, the past couple of years has had very little momentum early in seasons. I mean, it's, it's beaten Illinois a couple of times, but both seasons, I think it had lost to someone by then. And then it started conference oh, yeah. playoff really slowly both times. So it would be kind of interesting to see what the, what, what this team can do if it gets off to a good start. Oh. Well, it was almost exactly a year ago because we were texting about it, and I didn't look up the team. But like, Missouri lost a dreadful home game last year. I it was, at like it, somebody that 
I knew had a team, but that was about. I think all it was Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern. That's it. It was like sixty three fifty nine or so. And Missouri actually had to make a run to get that close at the end. Um, so yeah, you don't want any of that this year. Um, and, and if you can go beat Oregon, this would be the biggest probably non-Illinois non-conference win Missouri's had in in about three years. Uh, Mitchell says not this Mitchell, the other Mitchell. Mitchell <laughs> Bennett says. Uh, Cassius Robertson put the most stock in Conzo's Missouri career, best player on the best team. I mean, look, the truth is the guy that probably did the most for Conzo's Missouri career played like two games. You know, I mean, because that that whole thing, like Cassius Robertson probably doesn't come here without Michael and and the rest of that. And I don't mean to get sidetracked into this, which has been a three and a half year debate um, (laughs) on the court. Yeah, Cassius and Jonte probably did as much for for Conzo as Missouri as anybody as anybody has. But uh, you know, off the court, you still got to give uh, Michael a little bit of credit. So, uh, look, here is the extent of my knowledge about Oregon basketball right now. Dana Altman is the coach, and he used to coach at Creighton, which is in Omaha. There you go. There's my breakdown. That's- do you yeah, know more than that? That's pretty good. I know a little bit more because I wrote a preview. Um, although I didn't, I just didn't even go to the lengths of trying to guess a starting five for Oregon because right. I don't know enough about them to do that. Like I said before, they, they've got a ton of newcomers. They lost Peyton Pritchard, who was their stud for the past couple of years. He was, I think, first team All-America last year. I know he was the Pac-12 player of the year. Um, and they, they've they've only got, I think, two guys back that played more than 20 minutes last year and only three who played more than 15 minutes last year. So they've, they're, they're uh, bringing in a bunch of transfers. They got that kid from Duquesne, uh, whose name escapes me, oh, yeah. who is very Eric Williams. That's it. He, uh, he, Missouri was recruiting him pretty hard in the transfer market. He's immediately eligible. Um, and then they've, I know they have, uh, Nefali Dante, the kid from Mocan elite. He, uh, played at sunrise prep over there in Kansas, uh, played alongside a couple of, of Mizzou guys with Mocan. So that's, that's about all I know. Um, I know Oregon was, uh, has been a very good shooting team and a good offense the past few years, or at least an efficient offense. They don't play at a very high pace. Um, uh, but again, I don't know how much of that carries over to this season with so much personnel change. Yeah. I remember way back in God knows which coaching search this was because there have been a lot of basketball ones, but, uh, at one point, um, Dana Altman's name when he was still at Creighton came up for the Missouri job and like the overriding reaction, including mine was, eh, that's not really going to do much for anybody. I mean, yeah. turns out Dana Altman's turned himself into, uh, into a pretty good coach. So, um, yeah. Look, any comments, questions you guys have about the basketball game, score predictions, whatever, put them up. We'll put them on the screen. Um, I I saw uh, Georgia's playing tonight, A&M's playing tonight, but I don't know. Every year, it's usually about bragging rights when I start to kind of get into college basketball. And I, I guess it'll probably be about the same this year, but usually right about now, is the time we've covered our last football game. At Mm -hmm. least we've got like a three-week break. So you start to go, okay, basketball, they're playing bad games, but at least they're games. And, hey, Michigan State, Duke, and Kentucky, Kansas are on the TV. Maybe I'll turn that on. We've got three weeks left in the football season. I mean, I – this this time of year never feels like college basketball season, but now this time of year really doesn't feel like college basketball season. 
Yeah, I was going to say the same thing when you brought up bragging rights. This year it's on a football Saturday and there's still another regular season game afterwards. So I don't know that that'll even mark the start of it feeling like basketball season. It's been kind of crazy, actually. I've been a little bit bummed. Like, you know, there's been basketball on TV all day and I've been wanting to watch, but there's been just so much going on from a, you know, football season standpoint, like what we do during the football season. You're on Zooms and writing stories all day, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I haven't gotten to watch as much as I would like. It's been hard to, to kind of, yeah, accept that like, oh, yeah, we're, this is happening and, and everyone's playing basketball just because the football season got pushed back and, and that takes up so much of our focus. Yeah. And uh, Davin actually brings up uh, Dana Altman at one point did take the Arkansas job and I think may have even woo pig suey at one point. He called the hogs and then. Like the next day was like, yeah, I changed my mind. I don't want to do that. So uh, he could be on the, uh, he, he could be on the, I don't know if you call it the rivals sideline this year, if things had all worked out the same. But speaking of, uh, speaking of being on the rival sideline, uh, have you heard that Barry Odom's coming back to Faro Field this year or this that, week? That That's the rumor. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think we've covered that a few times in the press conferences. Right. Right. So, Here's and I actually give Eli Drinkwitz a lot of credit because first of all he knew the questions were coming and he kind of headed them off a little bit and said you know it's a player's game but like he answered all the questions and gave good answers and and actually said he brought it up with the team which is most coaches in that situation are just going I'm not playing Barry Odom it's a coach's game or it's a player's game I I don't worry about that you know uh, but. But I was impressed. He and Ryan Walters both actually semi-addressed it in press conferences, and that was kind of nice. Yeah, Drinkwitz actually has been – he's he's done that a lot this season. You know, he uh, went out of his way before the Kentucky game to bring up the fact that Mizzou had lost five straight – Oh, we've got Frozen Mitchell. Let's see if it comes back. Am I back? You're back now, yeah. Hello? Yeah. Okay, I'm back. We Sorry about that. Um, just saying that you know, I don't know where I, I cut off exactly, but Drinkwitz has not shied away this season from you know embracing stuff like that. He he before the Kentucky game, he brought up the the losing streak to Kentucky. Before the Vanderbilt game, he used uh, headlines from the loss last year, obviously before he arrived to to motivate the team for last week's game. So he's he's been relatively willing to to acknowledge like yeah, we're aware of some of the storylines you all talk about, but he also you know like you said that there's a lot of other storylines in this game, which there are. Uh, a lot of crossover between Missouri and Arkansas from a personnel and coaching standpoint. And, and, you know, said at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, once, once the ball kicks off, it's just players against Arkansas players. Oh, so, okay. So case brings up a, a kind of a, a, a point of view that I think is probably pretty uh, prevalent among Missouri fans. Everyone needs to calm down asking about Barry nonstop. I get it's a storyline, but as a fan, I don't really care. He's only the defensive coordinator, not the head coach. And look, I do understand that point of view, but the truth is like, it is kind of what makes this game unique. I mean, the guy that recruited almost every one of these players to Missouri and was their head coach is now calling the defense on the other side of the field for what is purported to be Missouri's rival. I mean, that's what makes this unique. And I mean, if all you want is, Hey, how's the Arkansas offense match up with the Missouri defense and vice versa? Like, monkeys can write that I mean there's yeah. like, you know honestly I mean the, the whole idea of being in this business is you look for something a little bit different and now look everybody's writing this I think people are going to take different angles on it especially since uh since we can't 
talk to Barry Odom this week, but like I know you're writing for later in the week kind of how Odom influenced Ryan Walters, and now Ryan Walters not exactly going up against him, but kind of, you know, counterparts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, you know, it's, I, 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 like you said, I understand that it's been brought up a lot, but it's kind of unique in that, you know, it's one year removed. Like if this was, you know, a few years down the road, like this isn't going to be an every year thing, but like you said, he recruited basically every single Missouri player to this roster. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's a significant deal and, you know, obviously yeah, has relationships with all the, you know, the majority of, of the coaches and, and stuff like that. So I don't know. Yeah. It's uh it, it's, it's, you know, it's one of the things that, that makes these things interesting. And like, actually I, I'm, I think it's really cool that this rivalry kind of has a little bit of juice again now that, uh, now that Odom's there, like, cause, I, mean, I mean, the last two years, it could not have been less of an inspiring right. game. And Missouri, Arkansas and basketball, you know, when that got interesting, when Mike, Anderson went there. I mean, that I still I think I will go to my grave saying the best moment in Mizzou Arena history is when I thought Mike Anderson and Frank Haith were going to fight. Um, <laughs> you were probably in school. I don't know if you were at that game, but oh man, I don't think I was. I, I think I know it's like the 2014 year, 13 or 14 in there somewhere. Yeah, but Phil I Press, think I. I yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't in school yet. I, that was okay. the year before I got there. Okay. Uh, yeah, Phil Press I know he makes a yeah, three. At the top yeah. of the key. And Missouri's out to a really good start. Phil drains a three, and Arkansas calls timeout. And as Phil is going toward the bench, Mike said something to Phil. And, like, I, it certainly wasn't derogatory. Their families, you know, if you ever watched a Missouri basketball broadcast, you knew that Mike Anderson played with Paul Pressey in college, and Paul Pressey was the original <laughs> point forward. So they had a relationship uh, going back a long way, and he said something, and Frank was – and kind of like the Dan Mullen thing, you know, at Florida, like, don't talk to my players. And Frank said something and man, Frank was charging. And if somebody hadn't grabbed Frank, I really think there might've been a fight at midcourt. And I, it's like eight years later and I'm really still kind of upset that there wasn't. It was and you, and you would have sprinted down from the oh. press seating enchanted fight. fight I, and fight. I would have been like holding my phone up, getting the bouncy video running down the stairs. hundred percent. It would have been the greatest thing that's ever happened. And then after the game, of course, both of them were like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just heated competition, you know, <laughs> it was great. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it's, it, I mean, stuff like that is what makes it interesting. It it makes it a little bit of a rivalry. And, hey, we've got got a couple of questions. And while we're on the subject of beating a dead horse to a bloody pulp on the ground, things that are, you know, stories just continually brought up, David wants some thoughts on Sarah Fuller. Mitch, you got any thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I thought it was – a cool thing to witness being there here, the ovation. Uh, I understand some people feel as though that they've, they've been overexposed to coverage about it. It's been yeah. beaten to death, like you said, and I don't understand why there still are raging arguments four days later. Right. That's, that about uh, sums up my thoughts. Stop giving this attention. Say all the people who continue to give it attention, but I now look, I did a, another podcast and kind of gave my thought. I mean, Yes, it was a PR stunt. Like, we can admit that, right? Now, good for her. She showed up. She did the job she was asked to do, and I don't hold that against her at all. I, whatever. I don't care how far she kicked the ball or any of that stuff. Um, but there was definitely a marketing um, part to it as well. I just – it's not worth being angry about to me. It has nothing to do with the fact that – She's a female or anything else. I, I think more of the frustration is just the 
hour and 40 minutes they spent on the broadcast and the nonstop, you know, SEC network updates and all that. But as Missouri fans, let me tell you, had Sarah Fuller not played in that game, that game would have been mentioned on zero national broadcasts. Like, you would have gotten 12 seconds at the end of SEC Tonight or whatever they call their show. Oh, yeah, Larry Roundtree had 160 yards and they beat Vanderbilt. So, you know what? Yeah. She brought attention to the game. So, uh, that's good for you guys. All right, so uh, Jonah's asking about Drinkwitz's comments about uh, recruiting already committed guys. I mean, somebody asked me this in the mailbag, and – the East St. Louis guys have to be a consideration here. The receivers, Countess Lewis and and uh, Dominic Lovett. I what about because he specifically said guys who maybe are committed somewhere where the season hasn't gone like they thought it might. I I thought about Tion Evans, the junior college running back who committed to Tennessee and then committed to Tennessee again. So I assume he's probably going there, but. Tennessee sure fits that bill of things not really going like people thought they were going to. Yeah, that's true. I know uh, that Mark Helen Pounders guy, I don't know if he's technically still committed to Mississippi he's State. Technically but not. Even, but yeah. Okay, well, even if he's not, like maybe there's someone there because Marcus Johnson did used to coach there, so maybe he has relationships with someone, and certainly that season hasn't gone as people would expect. But, I mean, like, honestly, I – it's been it's been too hard to, to keep up with recruiting lately for us. I mean, that's kind of what we have Sean for because right. this season has been so crazy with just trying to figure out who Missouri's playing next and on what date. Or and now basketball starting and and, and yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, look, we we do pay attention to recruiting because that's what rivals does. But the day to day stuff is is definitely a little bit more Sean. But those are those are some names that it's possible he's talking about, but. Again, I was happy he actually kind of addressed it at least and, you know, didn't didn't just kind of give you the stock answer when recruiting comes. Uh, all right, biggest matchup you're watching in the hoops game tonight. I, I think Keegan hits it. I mean, it's got to be Tillman and Dante, not only because that might be the only player we know for Oregon, but also because <laughs> that's the most important Missouri player still, right? Yeah, it's always the safe bet is to, to pick Jeremiah. Tillman as the X factor. I mean, like we already admitted we know nothing about Oregon. So I think it's safe to say if Tillman stays on the floor and then whichever team shoots better from three, like those will pretty much decide the matchup. That's my guess. Yeah. I mean, and that's a pretty safe bet, really. It's like turnovers in football. Just if you just pick the team that shoots better from three, you're probably going to do pretty well. Like I saw uh, some stat that Kentucky made, like, I don't know six of its first eight threes or something. And since then is shooting like 13% from three point range. And I saw a tweet last night that said, how come Kentucky gets all the best players in the country every year? And somehow none of them can shoot. <laughs> it, it's a yeah. thing. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're giving a window into my, uh, my keys to the game for every football game is always win the turnover battle. That's always one of my keys because it's like the safest key ever. If you, if you lose the turnover battle, you rarely win the game. Yes. It's a key to every football game that's ever been played. Um, all right. Todd is joining us for the first time. Isaiah McGuire and Darius Robinson could really anchor the D line for the next few years. So, it's pretty interesting. This leads into, um, you know, again, really a question that I didn't think Eli Drinkwitz was going to answer. Um, but they're honoring seniors this week. And he said some seniors are not doing senior day, which indicates that they're coming back. And one of those guys is Kobe Whiteside. 
That would be, uh, to me, a pretty big deal for Missouri football. Yeah, that'd be significant because we expected defensive line and, and defensive tackle to be an area where they were going to lose a ton of people. So definitely uh, that does not hurt. Um, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Whiteside coming back helps a lot. And I think, uh, I think obviously Grant McKinnis coming back and believe it or not, actually is pretty beneficial because you, uh, he, you know, he's, he's been a solid punter. Uh, piggybacking off that, Nick Bolton has uh, is going to get honored, which should surprise no one. I mean, good for them for honoring him, even though he's not a senior. But yeah, I mean, among those two guys that were asked about, I, I've been really impressed with Isaiah McGuire this year. Yeah. Um, I think he's someone who's really kind of turned a corner, and he's just consistently just keeps making plays. It's, you know, not gaudy stats or anything like that. He's not like a fearsome pass rusher like the, at this point. But uh, you know, he's he's been really good. Darius Robinson's been hurt a lot. I don't, you know. I haven't you know, he, noticed him he to was the in the backfield I've noticed in the McGuire, but he's been solid. Yeah. 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 Markel Utzi still said he's still kind of making up his mind what he's going to do. Um, you know, just because guys are being part of senior day does not mean necessarily that they can't come back. You know, guys like Trey Williams, Chris Turner still could. But, you know, I saw some talk on our message board with the, with the white side stuff that, you know, uh, hey, the defense is loaded and I'm so excited. Look, they're still losing – the best player on the defense and maybe the best player on defense in the sec. And that like, that's a huge deal. And also just kind of relatively speaking, I mean, you, you always have to understand you're playing in a league where other teams are adding four and five star kids every single year, not all of them, but you know, if, if the goal is to catch Georgia and Florida, I mean, those teams aren't going backwards. And again, kind of like we talked about with Connor Bazelak, progression isn't linear. Just because this defense has gotten better throughout this season, we'll take Nick Bolton and Tyree Gillespie and Josh Bledsoe off. I mean, hey, that's a lot to replace. It doesn't mean they're automatically worse next year, but words like loaded and set for the future, I, I think we got to pump the brakes a little bit there. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where uh, nuance gets skipped over a little bit where people are like freaking out about the defense and then you find out one or two people are coming back and you're like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's loaded. I mean, like Nick Bolton, you know, I this this is obviously a little bit of a stretch, but like I compare his importance to the defense like a quarterback to an offense. Oh. You know, it'd, it'd be like the Chiefs having everyone except Patrick Mahomes come back. Right. I still still don't know that so, I'd call that offense loaded because he's what makes right. everything go. I th I think Nick Bolton is that good. So it, basically, what they're losing is the guy that makes every tackle. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so that's a big deal. Um, I want to interrupt before we go to more questions and uh, make sure you guys know that this is brought to you every Wednesday night by five seven three tees dot com. They are a local apparel company, only online. 573tees.com is the website. Look, Christmas is coming up. They've got some great hats, some visors, uh, a lot of Mizzou gear, a lot of Columbia gear, a lot of other stuff for you to check out. So if you go through the show page on powermizzou.com, you can get a 10% discount on your first uh, purchase. And uh, they have told us that every Wednesday night, they get a little bit of an uptick in business from people that are uh, watching the show and visiting the website. So please continue to do that because that continues, uh, that makes them want to continue to advertise with us. And we like it when people advertise with us. So uh, appreciate all ends of that. So uh, now that that's done, we'll move on and, and get some more of your guys' questions. Garrett wants to know, 
where Drinkwitz ranks on the list of favorite press conferences so far. He seems to have fun doing them and likes to play a game. He gives a good press conference. I'm not sure he likes it, right? I mean, I think <laughs> I think a part of him kind of hates it. I think he likes to hear himself talk. He likes to speak. I don't know that he necessarily likes talking to us. He doesn't every like week. to hear us talk, right? Yeah. Um, but no, he, look there. He does press conferences well. Um, I I generally. Yeah enjoy them i've i've said for a few years i i'd like to cover a coach who when he gets asked a terrible question just basically lets the person know he thinks it's a terrible question not in a bob knight way like you don't have to be that but it's okay to let us know that hey you asked something that was really kind of stupid yeah and like we've mentioned it already a couple times in the show he's been pretty honest about some things like talking about recruiting you know committed kids talking about Barry Odom stuff like that like it's nice to you know have a coach who's not just up there talking in empty coach speak every single sentence that you can't write the press conference before it starts also like we've talked Mm -hmm. a few times this year I think he's just so happy when any question is not related to how many players are out with COVID that he will actually answer questions that maybe in two years he won't answer that's very possible. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, uh, Jake is uh, Jake B is back. He asked us a recruiting question a week or two ago when we postulated that maybe it was recruiting coordinator Jake Bresky. So I'm going that. We're just going all in on that. Uh, Missouri's recruiting coordinator yeah. on the 573 report, trying to find out how we feel about Isaac Thompson. Um, I All the momentum was Michigan with this a couple weeks ago, but – there is definitely some thought among local people that Missouri is very involved in this. I know we've been invited to the ceremony. A, a fair amount of local media has. And now that can go one of two ways, right? That can be, hey, we, the kid's going to Missouri, so we'd love to have you come. Or that can just be, we want as many media outlets and as much attention on this kid's decision as we can get. We'd like to have you come cover it. And then you show up and he goes to, you know, then then you send somebody to cover uh, Virtus Brown's press conference and he talks to first graders for 30 minutes and commits to Illinois and you've really <laughs> wasted everyone's day. Um, so I, I know 50-50 is a cop-out, but he's also, by the way, in Fayetteville today uh, on a visit to Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I truly, I don't know. Um, I mean, the I think the common sense answer is Michigan, but – I, I kind of feel like Missouri's more of a factor than a lot of people might. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know, and I don't know if anybody really knows, right. uh, including but potentially Isaac maybe Thompson. Him. I know he set a date, but the fact that he's doing more visits indicates maybe, you know, he, his mind isn't made up. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, I get why all the signs were pointing to Michigan. Um, you know, he announces that a date right after coming off of a visit that apparently went well. Um, I don't know if there was more to the, you know, insider picks uh, for him to go to Michigan or not. Uh, you know, we, we obviously don't cover Michigan, um, but I do know, like, I've spoken to a couple people who think Missouri is at least still in the picture, if not the leader in the picture. So um, I think it's, you know, yeah, want to wait and see. I would not be stunned if his commitment date gets pushed back, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that that seems to happen. And look, he's a 2022 kid. Like, there's no need to do it now. Mm-hmm. He's got a year before exactly. he has to decide. Yeah. So it's certainly possible. And I know a lot of people will say, well, why would he go to Michigan? It's a dumpster fire. And it, it kind of is right now. But, you know, 
that's why it's easier for programs like Michigan to overcome a little bit of downtime than it is for a program, frankly, like Missouri to overcome it. Um, when you've got that name and the brand and the tradition, it is easier to bounce back from being down um, than if you're Missouri and you're down from like 1983 to 1996. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Michigan honestly might have the best combination of like football history facilities and academic prestige of any school in the country other than maybe Notre Dame, you know, it's right. them two would be right up there. So, yeah, I mean, I can, you can still see why it would be an attractive option, even if there's some uncertainty ahead coach. And I mean, to be fair, the two have combined for one national title in the last 30 years. So <laughs> there's, there's that going for him as well. Uh, all right, Patrick, are you surprised to see Chisholm and Hazleton getting honored and not presumably coming back next season? I, I don't know. Does that surprise you at all, Mitch? Not really. I mean, for one, I kind of assumed that every pretty much every senior was going to go. Like, I knew that a few would stay, but there wasn't anyone I was confident, like, oh, that person's going to stay. So I wasn't surprised by any of the names on that list. Two, I just think, well, with a lot of graduate transfers, you you switch schools anticipating it's going to be your last year. Um, you know, you, you kind of plan on one more year working towards, you know, maybe the NFL or whatever. And, and also it's not like either of those guys has played a huge role. I mean, Chisholm's played more as the season's gone on, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that either of those guys would like uh, how much they benefit from staying another year and, and being like 26 when they declare for the yeah, draft. I think largely if you're not an NFL player at 22, you're not going to be an NFL player at 23. But also I think the bigger thing, is I mean somebody talked about Cassius Robertson earlier and he's the exception for a grad transfer like Kobe Whiteside is looking at this and saying hey my senior year kind of got screwed up not only by COVID but also because I got hurt hey you still there that was weird beeping noise uh, I think I, you cut out you cut out on me for a minute, but I am, I'm right. hearing you again. So. Okay, cool. I, I don't know. It just beeped at me for a while like Skype was hanging up. Yeah, I heard that as well. But uh, Kobe Whiteside, you know, his, his year gets screwed up. But, like, he's got three and a half years of sweat equity in this program. Damon Hazleton and mm -hmm. Kiki Chisholm don't. I mean, and that doesn't make them any less invested in this year or any of that, but – like there's no connection there with all these other guys that, Hey, well, we've gone through all this. Let's, let's come back and see it through one more year. I mean, they've been here. What? I don't know. Five months, maybe something like that. Yep. Just about. Yeah. It's yeah. like July. Yeah. If that long. So, um, all right. Uh, why hasn't drink gotten the recognition that Pittman has gotten on coaching? What's the worst outcome for the Arkansas game? A shutout? Well, the worst outcome, yes, would be uh, Arkansas scores however many points and Missouri scores none, and they lose. Um, but I, I think it's really – it is hard to describe how bad Arkansas was the last two years. I mean, that 2018 Arkansas team, I'm not sure they would have beaten last weekend's Vanderbilt team. That's how bad that they might be the worst SEC team I've ever seen. They weren't very much better last year. And Arkansas started out what three and three, right? They won three of their first six and really should have been four and two. Yeah. If the officials yeah. knew yeah, what they, they might have even been three. Yeah, they might have even been three and two. I don't know. Yeah. Yes, they were at a minimum three and three. But he is yeah. basically coming from the complete bottom and has built them up to respectable. Whereas Missouri fans thought last year was like a 
train wreck combined with a dumpster fire, but I mean, they were six and six. They were eligible for a bowl game, theoretically. And I'm not saying that's great. And I'm not even saying it should have kept Odom's job. But I saw something interesting on our board uh, earlier this week. Somebody, you know, again, was talking about all the talent coming back and said, it turns out the cupboard wasn't bare. So, like, I, I went back and thought about it. Eli Drinkwitz took over the best situation a first-year Missouri coach has had in 40 years. And that's not saying it was great. But he clearly took over a better situation than Barry Odom did, a better situation than Gary Pinkle did, a much better situation than Larry Smith did or anybody going back to Warren Powers. I mean, he had a team that it, it was led by an All-American on defense and was 500 last year and really probably should have been better. Yeah, and brought the, the defensive coordinator back as well. I mean, obviously, that was, you know, his doing. But, you know, he had a hand in, in getting that to happen. But, yeah, I mean, so go, circling back to the, the Pittman discussion, like two things. One, you know, this award always is for some reason given, you know, who exceeded our expectations the most. And I don't know, like no one had high expectations for Missouri, but I don't know if anyone had like really low expectations for Missouri either. Like people just didn't really, I think, pay a lot of attention to Missouri coming into these Whereas people were like, oh, Arkansas could be a total track. Look how hard that schedule is and how bad they were. They're never going to win a game. And then they started out winning some games. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, you know, I think a lot of, you know, you talked about the the national recognition. Like a, a lot of that you might be thinking of from a few weeks back. I mean, Missouri did not start the season particularly well. It's right. kind of just now rounding into form. So you might see some of that change, especially if Drinkwitz beats Pittman head to head this week. Yeah, I mean, had, had Arkansas opened with Alabama – and then a 35-12 loss, like, it takes a minute to overcome. Uh, and in case says, you know, toward the end of last year, when they played Arkansas, Missouri was one of the worst teams in Power 5. I don't know if I'd say they were one of the worst teams in Power 5. They were not good. They weren't in a good place. And I think everybody kind of went into that. I mean, that Arkansas game was just depressing. It was one of the more yeah. hideous things I've been. There were like seven people there. It was the day after Thanksgiving. It was a coach just grabbing dudes off the sidelines going, hey, have you played it? No, go, go, go. I don't care. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're redshirted or not. Just play. Um, yeah. It was a coach that knew he was getting fired. Yeah, it, was in, it wasn't at a college campus either, so the crowd was, yeah, especially small. It was oh, in was Little, Rock. Little Rock. Yeah, it was yeah. – yeah, it was it was brutal. Oh gosh, it was bad. It was like 37 degrees and gray, of course. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, no, like I mean, Missouri was not good at the end of last year whatsoever. The offense fell apart, but uh, I, they're not. They weren't like comparable to that Arkansas team or Kansas or Rutgers. You know, let's not. Let's. You, you, I think we need a little bit of a distinction there. And also, mm -hmm. you know, they still had some talent. It was more just an issue of you know the offensive chemistry for whatever reason just kind of completely fell apart. Right, and I, I mean that's why. When a lot of guys get fired, look, there's no doubt. Like, it's time. Coaches tend to get fired a year too late rather than a year too early. If anything, I think Jim Sterk made that move a year before he needed to. Now, had he not made it and they go 2-8 and eight this year, then they're in a worse place. But he actually, for the program, made it at a pretty good time because basically he needed a guy who could take what was an okay amount of talent and get it kind of all headed in the right direction. And Eli Drinkwitz has done that and, and deserves a lot of credit for it. And again, this is no argument that Barry Odom should still be here. Simply, as it turns out, and I don't know if this is a compliment to Odom or an insult, because as it turns out, there is some talent here. 
and there's enough to be better than six and six. So I don't know if he deserves credit for getting it here or deserves blame for doing <laughs> almost nothing with it. Probably both, I guess. Yeah, it's one of those. Th- yeah, it's one of those things. Like you know, you, you, we read all the time, like, oh, Odom was the worst recruiter and the worst in-game coach ever. It's like, well, that's impossible, or else they would have never won a game. At that, but that's also not, and that gets misconstrued as an argument for like defending him. Like, we're not saying he, uh, you know, he <laughs> he should still be the coach, but you know, either he was decent at getting people here, or he. He was, you know, better overachieved in game. And it's looking like he actually put together a decently talented roster, um, just, you know, lost some games that he shouldn't have, especially last season, which I don't think anyone would argue with. Uh, so, yeah. And Drinkwitz has done a really good job of winning those swing type games and those close games, as we've documented a few times this season. Right. I mean, he he can't suck at both things. Right. It's like, it's like saying yeah. you're dumb and you're bad at tests, but you got a 32 on the ACT. Well, like you have to be good at one of the two things, you know, you can't be bad at both <laughs> of them and, uh, and end up doing something decent. Uh, case actually brings up a good point. The, the Mizzou Arkansas game is like mother nature hates that game. It has been just like gray sleet. I think the last five years. So uh, that the 2015 Arkansas game was one of the most depressing things I've ever seen. That's when they carried Pinkle off after the loss. Oh, yeah. uh, it was, yeah. it was hideous. And like, I yeah, don't yeah. I wasn't there for that one, but yeah, the, since ever since the one that, you know, Missouri needed to win to clinch the, the SEC East, I don't, yeah, they've all been miserable. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jake wants to know reaction to Shane Beamer being the leader for the South Carolina job. And let's be clear first, like, Maybe he's the leader. I, I mean, he very well. I, I know that's being reported. I've we've reported on coaching searches enough to know that it's kind of hard to necessarily say a guy is a leader, but I'm sure some people are saying that. Um, I I would kind of like it from South Carolina if that's what they do because it's a little bit untraditional. It's taking a chance, right? And and I think that's what you we talked about. I don't know, one of these weeks, they all kind of run together. But like when you're Missouri, when you're South Carolina, that's when you're Vanderbilt, that's the kind of thing you have to do. You have to take a chance because you're not just going to go hire the guy who's already done it successfully at this level. Yeah, it's a little bit similar to Eli Drinkwitz. Now, Shane Beamer has uh, less, you know, head coaching experience. Obviously, he has none. Um, and, you, you know, you do worry sometimes a little bit about just hiring a guy based off his name. But Shane Beamer's, you know, he's obviously, you know, he's he's worked under some very bright offensive minds and, you know, I, I think, you know, done enough that it's not, it wouldn't be just a name hire. He's got ties to the area. So I wouldn't hate it. I, I still, you know, if, like and who knows if they've tried on these guys i wouldn't be surprised if they you know or if i were them i would maybe prioritize uh billy napier and scott satterfield but i know there was reports about having an interview with satterfield and him saying he's happy at louisville again i don't put stock in really any reports that actually come out during a coasting search but uh yeah i mean like i wouldn't hate it he wouldn't be my first choice but he also would not be someone i'd be like oh that was a terrible hire it'd be you know a little bit of a risk but the reward uh element would be there as well well this show has taken a dark turn because because Case now wants us to rank the most depressing and miserable Mizzou-Arkansas games. So, look, I've got a runaway winner in this, uh, like, without question. So, if something jumps to mind for you, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Well, I mean, I've only been to two. And the one two years ago was actually worse. It was, like, 
I think it was like 27 nothing, but it was just dumping like ice like rain sideways rain just yeah. pouring sideways rain and like 38 degrees so that was that was the worst that was the worst of the two by far the most miserable missouri arkansas game in the history of missouri arkansas games is december 1993 120 to 68 in the opening of uh whatever oh, yeah. the Arkansas basketball arena is called. And I can't, it's not Barnhill. That was the old one, the Bud Walton center. Um, yeah. It, Walton, I mean, yeah. Arkansas, it, first of all, I loved watching those Arkansas teams. They were phenomenal to watch in the Lee day or uh, Lee Mayberry, Todd day, Oliver Miller days and all that. But I mean, that was the least competitive basketball game I've ever seen until Kim Anderson coached in Rupp arena. Um, you know, uh, it was horrendous. The 52 point game. And then that was the year that like two weeks later, Missouri goes and wins bragging rights and triple OT shout out, uh, to, uh, Kiwan Garris and, uh, and then like, didn't lose again for three months till they ran into Arizona. But, uh, that was, I remember watching that game. I believe I was a senior in high school. I did not watch that whole game. It was rather depressing. I'm assuming you did not yeah. watch that game. Yeah. No, I was negative two years old. So <laughs> yeah, maybe your parents watch that game. Brutal. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I know signing day isn't here yet, but no D commits from Mizzou. Is it a coincidence or does it show the relationships the staff has built? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess let's get there, right? Uh, let's signing day is two weeks, I guess from today. Hey, maybe we'll do a show on signing day. That'd yes. be a thing. Right? Yeah, we probably will. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh two weeks from today. And look, if they hang on to all these guys, they deserve credit. But also the mass decommitments that I thought were coming were all based on the fact that I thought these kids would be able to take visits at some point. I mean, mm-hmm. what are you decommitting based on at this point, really? Because you don't mm-hmm. have anything else you can see. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, I know, you know, there was these predictions of like a mass wave of decommits, but that was assuming like exactly like you said, that that visits were going to be allowed. Um, so, yeah, it would the only reason, you know, yeah, I could see the decommit at this point is, you know, the normal reasons your teams, you know, maybe having a worse season than you thought coaching insecurity or you get kind of recruited over uh, and asked to to look somewhere else. So, um, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, none of those things probably i guess have applied to missouri so far so uh yeah don't count your chickens yet there's still a couple weeks left like crazy things can happen but you know it's good for the staff you certainly you know would rather have no decommits now than several but at the same time we'll uh we'll we'll, we'll wait until signing day to assess that well and really interesting point that i hadn't thought of these schools are still going to be playing games after Mm -hmm. signing day so like there are going to be coaches who are coaching a game where their athletic director knows when this thing's over, I'm firing him. And he just signed to three days ago. Like that's, I, I still maintain that signing day shouldn't exist in December this year. They should push this thing off. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just malpractice by but the it's, NCAA. You know what's going to happen. Right. 
Yes, 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, like I'm saying that's absurd. I mean, and, and this is not news to anyone that, you know, the NCAA is not looking out for the, the recruits here. But like, yeah, it's insane that you could allow, you know, people to sign with the school that is, is could then immediately fire its coach four days later. And then, yes, that will absolutely or, happen. Uh, hopefully those people get out of their NLIs. Yeah. So there's also a scenario and like just because Billy Napier is going to be a hot name, I'm not saying he's going to do this, but where Louisiana signs its class on December 19th or 16th. Billy Napier wins the Sun Belt title on December 19th. And then December 21st, he's at a press conference in Columbia, South Carolina, taking a new job. Like, and yes, all those kids will be let out of their letters of intent, but that doesn't matter because they all have to start completely over and find a place to play when most schools in the country have already signed 80% of their classes. So yep. just letting them out of the letter doesn't fix the problem that they're creating here. Um, yeah, no, you're 100% right. Yeah. And, and and on top of the fact that all these decisions are being made after people haven't seen these schools in person, right. it's a joke. Right. Um, all right. So Garrett wants to know which fan base is worse, Tennessee or Arkansas. The answer clearly is Nebraska, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, I haven't really experienced the Nebraska fans like you have. I mean, for 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 me, it's got. I, I would I would cast the vote for Tennessee. I hopefully no Tennessee fans are watching. If so, I apologize. I'm not talking about you, but uh, I mean, like I, I feel like they have been more vocal on Twitter. I've seen more from them on Twitter. Uh, yeah, Twitter has um, given Tennessee fans a microphone, and they have mm-hmm. uh, screamed into it loudly and clearly for the last eight years. Um, you know, I I don't know. Arkansas fans are. They've never been that mean to me. Yeah, they haven't really bothered me. Maybe I mean it might. Their teams <laughs> haven't been particularly right, great. It's kind of but... hard to be irritating when you're zero and twenty-four in three years, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Like nobody hated Missouri fans in nineteen ninety-one. You know, they, <laughs> they 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 got to dislike you a little bit, like or Chiefs fans. Like nobody hated me because I was a Chiefs fan growing up. Now a lot of people probably hate Chiefs fans now. You know, but nobody hates yeah. fans of bad teams. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, except I, Nebraska. I, yeah, I can't say bad. I've heard much from from Arkansas fans. Yeah, uh, but so. Nebraska's a bad team. We still hate them. I do anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> as it, you know, it, it is a widely shared uh, feeling. I think so. Uh, tip off in about forty minutes of uh, Mizzou and Oregon, and uh, then I guess what a. Oh, then they're in, in Wichita on Sunday. I've kind of forgotten about mm-hmm. that game because I kind of forgot Wichita State existed because they just – will that be their first game back? It will, yeah. So this, these next two games for Mizzou are both the first game for their opponent, which and both just a ton of turnover. I mentioned Oregon. Wichita, uh, much more significant, just fired their longtime head coach. So, yes. uh, yeah, there's some, some real no, unknowns he, on the schedule. They did not fire out. him. He They gave him $7.75 million, and he resigned. Right, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, and then uh, they play Liberty early next week. I know yeah. that. So, so this this is actually and Liberty is not a terrible team. I mean, they were an NCAA tournament, so they've actually got three games coming up. That, I mean, I think Liberty is probably a better team than Wichita is this year. But Liberty obviously doesn't have the name that Wichita has. But <laughs> I mean, three and zero would be phenomenal for Missouri. I, I don't think they'll go 0-3, but 0-3 is not out of the question. 
It'd be very you'd, – you'd have a lot of people concerned, and probably rightly so, if they went 0-3. Oh, I mean, you know, especially considering, you know, we were all this talk about having an experienced team and then playing a bunch of teams who are in total turmoil, at least, you know, Wichita and, and Oregon to a lesser extent. So that would be less than ideal. But it's not it's not out of the question. Right. Yeah, that's, that's all I'm saying is it's not impossible. I mean, there's actually – a pretty big eight days coming up here for Conzo Martin's team. Like if you are an NCAA tournament team, you have to do what in these next three? Do you have to go? I guess you don't have to go two and one, but I feel like you should go two and one. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, like, I don't know. Again, like, I just don't know what an NCAA tournament team looks like this season. Um, and, And there are enough, you know, I think enough quality opportunities left on the schedule that, you know, a loss to Oregon doesn't hurt you. And then a loss to a team like, you know, Wichita State or Liberty, it, there's enough opportunities to make it up. But then you get nervous, of course, because you're like, well, if a team that's losing to Liberty, can that team beat an Illinois or, a, you know, who I forget, a TCU or, a, you know, a, a, a Tennessee or something like Well, apparently Wichita State is currently losing to Oral Roberts. So perhaps mm. Wichita State is not great. Yeah, they, they should probably not lose that game. Yeah, that's, who knows? I don't know. College that, basketball is weird. That's probably a game I would uh, I would recommend winning. Uh, apparently, Rock M Nation is very upset about Mizzou playing Liberty. I would take that to Rock M Nation's weekly TV show and talk to them about it. Uh, Matthew Smith, uh, I understand that Arkansas. Okay, Matthew, we do want to get your question on. We did talk about this, but uh, but we'll get back to it just kind of briefly. Understand that Arkansas is much improved, but they're still three and five. Why are they be give, being given such respect right now? Well, because they have improved their win total by like infinity from the last three years in the SEC, from zero to three. Uh, but I I do think that's died down a little bit. I mean, I don't hear a ton of people you know uh, I guess honking Arkansas's horn the last couple weeks after a loss to LSU which is not great right I think the main place you'd hear that is just from the Missouri coaches who do that every week you know Eli Drinkwitz last week said Vanderbilt was a really good team, even though their record's not quite where they want it to be at 0-8 or 0-7 or whatever. Only 0-7 at that time. Maybe they did want it to be 0-8. They actually kind of looked like they wanted it to be an 0-8 for a part of Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. so. So, oh, uh, hey, I I forgot to roll all the SEC games. We'll we'll do that. Those are going across the bottom of the screen. We'll talk about those in a minute. Um, Let's see. Okay, Missouri plus 4.5 against Oregon. Which way are you leaning? Look, I don't bet. There's zero chance I would ever bet on a college basketball game because, I mean, Missouri could play great, you know, and and be – like you could be down two and spend the last 48 seconds trying to foul and lose by nine. There's zero chance I would ever bet on that. Yeah, and also, like, this game, especially, Oregon's got completely new players, hasn't played a game yet, we don't know what they look like, and uh, don't know what kind of offseason they've had, and this game got put on the schedule two days ago, so, you know, it's not like there's been a lot of opportunities for each each team to scout each other, Uh, yeah, I mean, I I picked Missouri, I mentioned that earlier, so I guess, you know, like, but there was zero, very little confidence in that, it was just like, I have to pick one of these two teams, there is zero penalty for you being wrong, like, nobody keeps track of it exactly right? yes <laughs> maybe I'll start I'm not doing, putting money on maybe it. I'll keep track of your predictions and every time you're wrong I'll like take five dollars oh. out of your check I would be I would have to, I would stop predicting I'm terrible at predictions I I think I've I think I would have missed every single military game football game against the spread this year until this past one is that right 
Wow. I don't know. I, at least it was that way through Florida. I didn't. I don't remember what the spread was for South Carolina. I got. I. I. I picked my score prediction had them covering against Vandy, which they obviously did. And, but, and yeah. I hate to be that guy too, but Missouri looked good, but. They made a whole bunch of three-pointers, thanks largely to Mark Smith. Against a, like, let's not overreact to 91-64 to Oral Roberts. You know, I mean, let's see yeah. what happens. Uh, uh, David says that Texas A&M is currently losing by seven to Tarlington, which I thought was a brand of cigarettes, but um, I don't know what it is. But uh, speaking of – I've never heard of Tarlington. No, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh but speaking of gambling, I, I had a roommate in college who would gamble on preseason NBA games. It was that's problematic. It was horrendous. It was like I'm out of things to bet on. Like I need to bet on if the sun's going to come up tomorrow, just so I can suck <laughs> on betting. Uh, I'm not sure if he got a one eight hundred number at any point in his life or not. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Oh, Bob Douglas says Tarlington is a powerhouse, so that's good to know. I got, I'll take his word for it. Bob, obviously a man of good taste. Yes, he obviously knows. Uh, <laughs> he, he obviously knows a lot of things. So, okay, there's other SEC games. Um, we'll kind of run through those. Like, I think the most intriguing one is the first one, Texas A&M and Auburn. Like, this is, this is a Gus Malzahn special, man. I mean – Auburn fans finally feel like maybe we can get blown out and then we'll lose next week and we can fire Gus. So he's going to win this game. <laughs> it does make perfect sense. This is, this does make sense. That, that is very Gus. And like, I actually, that one of the only games aside from Missouri's game that I got to watch last weekend was uh, Auburn LSU or sorry, Texas A&M LSU. And I was not overly impressed with Texas A&M. LSU was just atrocious. Their quarterback oh. play could not have been worse. I thought that, you know, a team with a competent offense had a good chance to beat them. Now is Bo Nix that I, I don't know, but I think it, it, this could at least be a more competitive game than the, you know, the records would indicate for sure. Okay, apparently it, it's Tarleton, and it's their first year in Division One basketball. So that is uh, good to know. I learned something now. Bad for Texas A&M. Ed yeah. is back to say maybe he should have bet Michelle on Vandy and Florida in my game. So <laughs> sorry, Mitch. Your name is now Michelle. Oh, Ed, come on, man. I appreciate you watching, but it's on the screen. It's right there. <laughs> maybe there's an autocorrect error going on. We're going to give Ed a break here. He's a he's a loyal viewer. We'll, we'll assume something That's happened true. there with his uh, typing. So, okay, A&M Auburn is the other early game besides, uh, besides Missouri and Arkansas. And then, let's see, I don't know. I have to wait for the – I know the 230 game is Tennessee-Florida because, I don't know, I guess they have to put something on it, 230. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Tennessee got a week off. Maybe that'll uh, change everything. Probably not. I would not pick them right now. No, I, I like I, I pick I, I root for Auburn to win close because it makes their fan mat, fans mad. I just want Tennessee to lose every game like 82 to seven. Because, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's been happening lately. So you've been uh, you've been happy. Right. Um, OK, then Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I know, don't play. Uh, Kentucky plays somebody. Is it South Carolina? I think that's right. Um, yes, yes. Oh, no, no. Wait, I, uh, I don't remember. I think that's yes, right. We got to wait for the ticker to come back. But, I mean, yeah, nobody cares about that game. South Carolina yeah, definitely South Carolina. doesn't care. They only want to know who their next coach is. Yeah, um, it's extremely apparent that they didn't even care when two weeks ago. So, yeah. Yeah, I saw Mark, Mark Stoops whining about something on the SEC teleconference today. I can't remember what it was, but I just – Remember coming away thinking it seemed very whiny. Um, Alabama LSU, the the game that we have 
moved mountains and shifted the SEC schedule to uh, to make happen is a 29-point spread. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, like, and I would no way would I take LSU to cover that. Their best player just opted out. I mean, they're a mess. They're not going to have Miles Brennan back. You know, you know, Nick Saban's going to be back on the sideline. You know Alabama wants revenge for last season. I think that's going to be an absolute beatdown. Yeah, so let's talk about that real quick, the, the opt-out thing. I mean, how come this week there's been like 8,000 opt-outs? Like, why Why now? Did kids just get be like, uh, we're through Thanksgiving. I just want to go home now. I'm done with this. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, My guess is they just felt like there was nothing left to play for this season, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to say without being in their shoes. But, yeah, Arkansas running back, Rakeem Boyd opted out this week. Terrence Marshall, there's been several others. I don't know. Florida I mean, I guess State, just, you know. Texas, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they feel like the team is not, you know, to the point where there's much of anything to play for and don't want to damage your NFL draft stock playing against bad teams in the cold and or in like the Birmingham Bowl. So, yeah, um, I feel like this is a good one to end it on. The tip off is in about 30 minutes. Ragnar wants to know, does rivals have any professional standards that publishers must adhere to? I mean, I've got Jim Shorts on with this doing a TV show in my office. So <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty obvious. Not really. Um, you know, no, if there's standards, no one's told me. Right. So and and yeah. frankly, I would prefer that no one does tell me. Um, if you have standards I must adhere to, please send them somewhere else. Uh, so yeah, appreciate you guys joining us again, basketball in half an hour. Here's what you're going to get by tuning into this show rather than following me on Twitter or the message board. The game is on Fox sports one. That is our favor to you for tuning in and sitting through our nonsense for an hour and two minutes, we're going to tell you what channel the game is on. So it's uh it's on FS one. So you can watch it. Um, if you choose to, we will be on a zoom call afterwards and then we will have, uh, things at power Mizzou afterwards, I guess. Seems like yeah, we should, there will be content. It seems like we should be done working. I don't like this night game business. Yeah, well, it's our lives are hard. People can, don't realize. Right. Can we can we get 11 a.m. basketball games, too? Is that a thing that can happen? Yeah. Uh, it should. I would love that, during, especially on a weekday. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, again, thanks for tuning in. Check out 573tees.com. Uh, go to their website. It's December 2nd. I imagine they can get you Christmas presents within 23 days, but hurry up and order. They're probably going to be busy. I've heard the postal service is delayed these days. Weird things are happening in the world. So get your shopping done at 573tees.com. Go through the show page at Power Mizzou. You can get 10% off. Uh, thanks for watching. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Do all those things that all the uh, people that are good at YouTube tell you to do. So thanks for that, and uh, we'll have plenty coming from uh, – our couches while Missouri is in Omaha. Uh, we'll talk to you later, Mitch.